Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode four of The Veterinary Optimist. I am, in fact, the veterinary optimist, Jennifer Evans. And I'm excited about today's conversation because today's conversation is something that I wish that I would have heard when I was in practice. I think that there is a lot of things that are going to come from this that can be great knowledge for anybody within the walls of veterinary hospital and even beyond that. Um, quick note, I will say this. Denise and I are dear friends, and she's the one person that I call to unpack a lot of things. And occasionally a curse word comes out. So just heads up that that could be a possibility today. We're going to try and keep it nice and tame, but it might happen. So with that being said, Denise Stryer, welcome to the Veterinary Optimist. You. Can you please, please, please tell me a little bit about your history in veterinary medicine? Um, absolutely. Uh, so I started practicing as a technician in a little one doctor mixed practice in um, Western New York, right outside of Buffalo. I was 16 years old. Um, so I've been part of the veterinary industry um, for about 35 years now. Um, about half that time was in practice, practicing as a licensed veterinary technician. And then the other half has been in industry. So pretty awesome. I love that. That's a, that's a long history in vet med. And you know, one of the things that I quickly identified with you, and I, it, quick, let me put a pause on that. For anybody who doesn't know, I also started working in veterinary medicine when I was about 15 years old. I have never worked up until I read my wings and flew into industry myself. I had never worked anywhere outside of the walls of a clinic. And so for me, I'm going on about 23 years of experience, either in clinic or with helping a clinic. Um, and so I really like that, that Denise, you and I connected immediately off of our love for veterinary medicine. And when we were talking about having this episode, we're big about setting our intentions. And we identified our intention for this meeting for the listeners to be more mindful of where they focus their energy. Um, and with that, they kind of brought on the title, which you inspired, you know, probably a year ago with me, which is is it a bad day or was it a bad five minutes? And Denise, when we talk about focusing energy and a bad day versus a bad five minutes, what, what's the first thing that really comes to mind whenever you, you think of that? I think about, you know, kind of the, the way that we can all end up telling ourselves stories, right? Um, and we can attach so much meaning and so many, you know, facts um, around just a five minute occurrence. Um, I will say the last little part of that quote, and I did look to see if there was credit for that quote for someone, because I would hate to use it um, if someone has, you know, kind of coined that, but it says, was it a bad day or was it a bad five minutes that you milked all day? And, mm. um, it's a little bit of tough love, right? Little, little tough love there. Like, hey, wait, what am I doing with this? So in a nutshell, that's kind of where it goes. Like, you know, how much of my energy am I spending on this and keeping my awareness on that five minutes for the rest of the day? Well, and that even dives into like having to look into the mirror. That's not an easy thing to do, especially in a profession like ours where our emotions run high at all times, right? And when we were first having this conversation, it we started down the thought of one of the biggest struggles in veterinary medicine, from what we can tell with the information that we have, is that 
clients are becoming increasingly more difficult. And when we think about that, we really try and bring it down to clinic level of something we experience a lot. And we came up with the thought of a client dealing with a parvo puppy. Mm-hmm. So tell me what you were talking about the other day when we when we start to talk about an interaction with a client that that their puppy now has parvo and they seem upset, but we're taking it a different way. Help me help me think about that a little bit differently. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, unfortunately, this is this is common um, for people that work in clinic to um, see a sick, sick animal. Right. Um, and luckily, that client comes to us in the clinic for help with that patient. Um, but on occasion, maybe they can't afford the hospitalization that's recommended. And that causes, that can be such a huge source of frustration. And so many of the people in practice and speaking for myself, when I was in practice, um, there is a ton of, of frustration born out of how much we care for the animal, right? And we all joined the veterinary industry. No one joined it to get rich, right? can make three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten uh, times the amount of money you make in veterinary medicine and human medicine, right? Right. But um, it comes from such a good space, right? Comes from so much care and love for the patient. Um, But we joined veterinary medicine because we didn't really want to deal with people necessarily. But, you know, dogs and cats don't have debit cards. So we have to deal with those people. And sometimes those debit cards don't have a ton of money, you know, attached to them. So one of the things that I often think about, my therapist actually walked me through this, is the antidote to frustration, anger, those sorts of things is actually compassion. We're really good at having compassion for a patient, Mm -hmm. but we probably some room for improvement uh, on the people side at times. Okay, so let's break that into um, vet tech, vet hospital lingo. I'm a client. I have a parvo puppy. I don't understand the medical language that y'all are using. And I can't afford everything that is gold standard that you are recommending for this puppy. I am over here making a decision of, of do I put food on the table for my family or do I, or do I pay this large bill, right? And for me, because I don't understand these things, I'm getting frustrated and that's coming out from me in an angry tone or not being able to make a decision based off of, of what is in the moment, the best need for the pet, because I have my family and everything else to look out for. Mm-hmm. Well, while I'm reacting like that, you, the vet tech, how do you feel like sometimes we can show up in these situations when I'm starting to get frustrated because I can't decode all of these emotions running through my body? So it's twofold, right? I think I think a lot of people can show up in a very compassionate way. There's a lot of people in vet med that are very, very skilled up in holding space for that client that's getting frustrated and empathizing with them and right. And hey, we have a plan B. We can work through this, right? Those. 
flip side of that, right? As there is, I think, a, a good good handful, I'm gonna say that of people that just become filled with judgment. Um right. and I think that fuels a fire that can turn a bad five minutes into a bad day pretty quick. Well, good time. I've been a I've been that technician several times where I've been in that room and I've told the owner this and they can't afford it, but they don't know how to express it. And it comes off as anger. And all along, I'm sitting here thinking, you got this pet. This is your responsibility. You're supposed to be here to take care of it. And that just seems very one-sided for me to feel because when we really break it down, Denise, if we go back to the amount of money that we can sometimes make in vet medicine, if I wasn't working in that clinic and I didn't have that discount, would I be that client on the other side of the on the other side of the table, that one that couldn't right. really afford it and didn't really know where that money was going to come from? And are we taking our time to put ourselves in their shoes or are we allowing all of these different things to spin out of control, like our own shame and our own judgment and all of these things? Absolutely. Okay. Okay, so when that happens, right? When something detrimental happens, that starts with our bad five minutes, right? If we don't recognize it or we're not taking a breath, one, I'm kind of curious what, and I think we'll talk about it a little bit later. What does that taking that breath look like? But two, what does that set you up for the rest of the, for the day for, you know, like what, what does that, how can that five minutes turn into a bad five, five hours if we're not intentional about paying attention to it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So there's, there's an individual um, responsibility there, right? But I also think as a team and and as leaders within the practice, um, taking a beat, right? Just, just being able to take a beat. And, you know, oftentimes, you know, I'll talk about like being able to have a quick huddle and say, hey, hey, let's just huddle up here quick. This was a bad situation, right? And, um, you know, kind of walk through that and we'll talk more about what that looks like. I think when I talk about this in clinics, though, oftentimes I have the most common response is probably we don't have time for that. We got six full exam rooms and 15 surgeries and that sort of thing. And my next question then is, okay, so that happened with one client in one exam room with one technician and one doctor and maybe a receptionist, right? Mm -hmm. How come the whole hospital knows about it within three hours? Don't tell me you don't have time for it. That's bullshit. Right. There's a, there, here we go. There's our first one. That's it. It was that's okay. Yep. Time like is it. being spent on this, whether you make space for it and lead the conversation or not. Time is being spent on this. Let's just get real about it. And to, to as you say it, or I guess as we say it, and many other people lean into the suck. There's Absolutely. so many times that we try and jump in as leaders to this toxic positivity of like, we'll worry about yes. that later. Let's keep going. We can do this team. When really taking five seconds to say, well, you know what, that does suck. And what we maybe don't recognize is the only truth in that situation. And we talked about this a little bit. The only truth in that situation really was what? Out of all the lies that we're telling ourselves, they shouldn't have pets. I can't believe they did this. Why are we being subjected to this? They should... All of that stuff. What was the only truth in all of those lies? If we were to really break it down for that owner in the room, what was the only truth there? 
The only truth was this client had X amount of dollars in their bank account and they're prioritizing their funding. That's, That's the exactly. only truth. That was the only truth. Everything else, either the client has fabricated or we have fabricated. And because we haven't paid attention to it, it can now turn into a wildfire. I was in the clinic the other day and I was so inspired by this because they had an emergency where the doctor was the only doctor in the practice. He was right in the middle of a surgery where she could not immediately step out. And this dog came in in, agonal, in an agonal situation. It was very clear what direction the animal was moving, but this team who had practiced emergencies before, wasn't super in tune with them quite yet. That kind of stuff takes time and patience and learning. And this pet wouldn't have made it either way, but unfortunately the dog perished before the doctor could get to a point of stepping out of the surgery, right? So this whole thing happened in front of my eyes and you could tell that these staff members felt like they were the reasons this pet didn't make it. The truth in the situation was, that pet didn't make it because he was in a situation where he wasn't going to make it, right? That's not what they're telling themselves. And this doctor, no, instead no. of trying to address it at the next meeting, or instead of trying to take care of it at the end of the day, because he's behind, everybody's behind, he gathered everybody together. And she looked at each and every single one of them. She said, this is not your fault. We will learn from this situation. And I want you to know that I'm really proud of everything that you did. And that I'm really proud of how we work together to this point. And it was one of those moments where I stopped and I looked at her and I looked at that team and you could tell that it mattered. They were able to take a deep breath. They were able to release some of this burden that they had sitting on their shoulders. And I guarantee you it's added to a better day versus it being just an all out awful day. Oh, that's, I mean, that doctor, so amazing, right? Because Jen, the way you word things is is just it. I think it lands so much with people um, that when you talk about the kind of the shame, it's my fault. I wasn't enough, right? Those are the thoughts that people are having all the time, and we don't even know we're having them, right? They're just kind of running, running, racing through our minds. It affects our bodies. It affects the way we think, and it affects the way we perform with the next patient, with the next client, right? All of those things. So that doctor holding that space, embracing the suck, but then introducing some emotional agility into it, right? Some compassion, some empathy, right? All of those things that are an antidote to shame, right? Brene Brown, thank you, lady. Complete <laughs> um, idol, shout out Brene Brown. Oh wow. yeah, oh yeah. So what a way to kind of usher that team through those feelings instead of, like you said, the toxic positivity, Martha Beck, right? Being able to embrace the suck, hold space for it. Now let's move through it, not ignore it. Let's move through it um, with those things. Man, wish I would have worked with that doctor. <laughs> right. It was amazing. Okay. So let's take this scenario. You didn't take the five minutes. You're one of the technicians. I feel like yep. you told me a story about something like this. She didn't take the time. Now you're in a situation of moving on to your next room because we didn't debrief for five minutes. We didn't debrief for three to five minutes. What does it look like? And how does that affect our next movement, our next room, our next patient? 
Um, yeah, this is, uh, I've shared this with you before and I've shared this, um, in a lot of veterinary clinics too. So it's a little, it's extremely vulnerable for me to, to talk about this because it, because it's a time that I'm, I'm, I wasn't proud of. Um, I was in a leadership position within the hospital. Um, and I had got into a, um, very heated debate, uh, with, with one of the doctors at the practice. And, um, we got, you know, we got through our little, you know, kicking up dirt fest. And um, then I had to go and take x-rays and there was no one to help me. And it was like a 45 pound black lab mix, you know? So I was like, yeah, I got it. Right. Um, rockstar tech. I can do anything on my own. And I was carrying this energy that I just had all that cortisol, right? I was telling myself all the stories, how he was wrong and I was right, all of it. I bring it into the x-ray room with me and I shut the door and it's dark and it's me and Cleo, still remember her name, okay? And Cleo was scared and a little non-cooperative. Um, she didn't really want to have x-rays taken. And um, so, I was just like, come on, come on, you know, and just kind of had this, like, I just got to get through this. Come on. You're a task. You're not a patient. And I treated her as such, you know, I got her down. I got through it. Right. Took her legs out from under her, get her down on the table. And I backed away to pull one of my gloves on. And I looked down and Cleo's legs were sh shaking. Mm. And I um, it just hit me um, of what I was doing to that poor dog. And uh, she was terrified. She thought I was going to kill her. <laughs> she didn't know, right? And now I'm taking her defenses away and all these things. So I took a beat, <laughs> right? Recovered, gave her all the lovings and the kisses. I recentered all of those things. Um, but the terror that I made that patient feel created a bad day for me um, because I do care so much, but it turned on a switch for me of we're carrying this into the next experience with the next patient, the next client, right? The next team member we interact with. So how do we stop that train? Well, and if you think of it this way, anybody who's been in vet medicine for any amount of the time, and I talk to um, newbies about this all the time, these animals can feel us. Oh. They can feel us. And I even talk about one of the greatest things that, you know, you learn in vet medicine is to be able to recognize things they're going through without saying a word, right? Like we deepen our understanding of that because of it. And if that is such a true statement and we're tight and we're worked up from the appointment before and we're all of these things, this, this animal can feel that. And that's what we're in it for. We're in it so they can know that we're here to help them and we love them. Even if, I mean, like, let's talk about a dog that is in dire pain, that wants to go after our face and attack us. We're not even upset at that. You know what our first thought is? Well, he wasn't feeling well. And so he was protecting himself. Like that's how much this means to us, right? And so, now that we're adding to anything negative with that, that can really beat us up inside too. You know, oh, I've got this yeah. example where I was in clinic, we're in the middle of the treatment room. I was leadership with a doctor who liked things a certain way. And I respected him deeply. He's still one of my greatest um, mentors and idols, but 
we're in the middle of this and we're right in the middle of this, this moment where everything is bubbled up, right? And yeah. he unleashes and yells at me in front of everybody. Well, <laughs> I did something that wasn't taking responsibility for the position that I had. I obviously didn't get mad for no reason. I wish it would have been handled differently. And that is something that should be talked about at a different time. But in that moment, instead of saying it or taking a breath or recognizing it, I get salty. I storm right out of that room. I go to the back door where I can slam the door that makes the loudest noise, yeah. right? Because I'm proving a, I'm proving a point. I'm upset, and I want him to know about it. But the problem is, who else now knows about it, right? Like all of these technicians that look up to me have now seen me behave this way, right? Yep. So then I come back in, and I have set the tone for how they should be addressing me for the rest of the day. They're tiptoeing. Yep. They're eggshells. Quiet. They're talking, they're like, oh, that Jennifer, she's she's worked up today, steer clear. I don't want them to feel that way about me and I don't want to lead that way. And, 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 and ultimately, I'm not creating a safe space for them to come up and say, if they've made a mistake or if they have something going on. So I'm just reacting the same way that the person yep. in front of me has reacted, right? And so whenever we talk about that, like if we don't stop and take a deep breath, and really recognize where we're at, it is only going to add to an even worse situation. Would you 100%. say that's a true statement? A hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. It's funny. I've had the opposite experience. Um, I've certainly had, I certainly had your experience, <laughs> but I've also had the opposite experience. And, and this is one I think of often um, because, you know, it was, it was just a day where shit hit the fan. You know, it was one of those days, right? We're short-staffed, emergency surgeries, right? Walk-ins. Um, it was just a crazy day. And um, it was getting to me, right? I, I had a lot of people coming at me, right? Hey, this client's upset. Hey, with this, you know, computer crash. Hey, the drill on the dental unit just broke, right? All these things, right? And I'm putting out fires, putting out fires and I'm feeling it and I'm frustrated and I am not showing up, right? The way that I need to. And the owner of the practice walks through the treatment room, sees me throwing my, my sass everywhere. And <laughs> he's like, hey, Denise, can, can you come in my office for a second? And just keeps walking. And I'm like, oh, I'm ready for a fight, Jen. Yeah. Guns are blazing. It's going to happen. Yeah. I get it. Let's go, bud. I, I tell you, you I've got that energy through. right now. I know what you're going through. Okay, continue. So, you know, I'm going to get in trouble. You know how much I'm handling, right? I'm, I'm already mm -hmm. like, you know, fighting my side of the fight. I walk into his office. I am right ready to you know throw the verbal punches ready to receive the verbal punches and he says hey have a seat and even that was hard for me right so i sit down and he said hey are you okay and i just started bawling and i said no i'm not and we got to talk about it just for a few minutes everything that was going on there was no fix there was no fix. Acceptance was the only option. <laughs> and responding instead of being emotionally reactive, right? So he had said to me, I just, I know today is hard. I know this is crazy. It's insane today. 
this is why I need Denise more than ever. I need you to be Denise more than I've ever needed Denise on a day like this. Completely different experience. Completely different experience. You know what? I almost, so let's flip that coin for a second. That was a beautiful response from your boss. What would have been a negative response that we could imagine happening in a, a setting like that? In my mind, and I'll, and I'll give my input on this, in my mind, the boss crossing his arms, telling you about all the things he's got in place to help you get through this, telling you that it's all going to be this. We've seen worse days. This is all going to be okay. In my mind, that would have been the opposite. That would have been taking away from what, yes. from what you're, so then it's like, give them the, let's create space, right? Like let's, let's, let's handle this in a way that, that, that you can feel safe expressing these concerns and doing these things. Right. I love that example. Okay. All right. This is, this has been an incredible conversation so far. So let's say, <laughs> let's say that I am really trying to look to help my team, right? And implement just a couple of easy things to help this situation, to help turn that five minutes into just five minutes and not allow it to be a full day, right? Yeah. What are three tangible things that we could put in the process um, right off the bat that we can start working towards? What would three things that, that we can think of with our experience that we have had inside of the walls of the clinic? What would three things be? You know, I think probably the first thing is just being able to allow people to know that raising your hand and saying, hey, I, 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 I need a beat is okay. I wish I would have been able to do that with Cleo. I'm not going to be at my best with this patient right now. Um, and I want to be. That's how I want to show up. So I'm going to need four minutes because trust me, it took a lot longer than that extra four minutes to get those x-rays done with her. Right. Um, so I think that probably is the number one thing um, that I would say is that, hey, here's here's how we are dedicated to showing up. And if you're unable, we're going to give you a few minutes. It might not be a half hour, but we're going to give you a few minutes. This goes back to you? Brene. Well, this starts about what Brene Brown talks about, like being blown, right? Like she talks about being in the weeds, which is like yes. where you're busy, you have a lot to keep up with. And then there's, I'm blown, I need a minute, right? Like she can say that statement whenever they're in the restaurant business, she could say that statement and be able to know that her team is going to pick up and give her the five minutes that she needs, right? Like we're going into the bathroom and crying anyways. We're already doing it, but we need to feel, <laughs> it's happening. We know that it's happening, Like, but we need to feel confident saying, this doesn't make me a weaker person. This just makes the truth. I need five minutes. I'm going to go pick myself up and I will be back ready to jump back in. Can you watch my tables? Can you watch my team? Can you watch my exam rooms? That's what I need right now. And I need to feel safe saying it. And it doesn't make me lesser of a technician. It doesn't make me lesser of a doctor. It doesn't make me lesser of a front desk. It just means that this is something that I need. And I think that is absolutely a huge deal for us to be able to say that. But also, this goes into what you were talking about, like skilling people up to to recognize that's a huge key piece. To recognize those moments, and, and and I think that that leads into kind of the second thing 
which is creating a safe space and seeking to understand, right? Because once we know that we need that five minutes, we also need to be able to create a space to help help talk about what led up to it, right? And not feel Embrace like judgment's going to come into play. Right. Embrace this. And, and, to, and to lean into understanding, like seeking to understand is a huge thing for leadership. Seeking to understand is a huge thing for your teammates sitting right next to you. So many things, in my opinion, get lost in communication when it comes to people in veterinary hospitals. We communicate with animals. That is our superpower. We do not communicate with humans. Half of us, and I'm speaking maybe <laughs> just solely for myself, can't even communicate with myself sometimes. And I am me. me. Yeah. I know me better than anybody, you know? And so I just, I believe that creating that space is huge. So if we, if we recognize that needing a break is important, we mm -hmm. recognize that it's important to open space up without judgment, to lean in to understand and to lean into the suck, right? Then what does it look like? What is the third thing that could be beneficial for these teams that can help in these moments when these things are happening? Well, I think it goes back to kind of what you talked about with Brene Brown, right? The kind of they had codes with each other, and 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 that tribe, that team, that right, they know what those mean. Um, I have a close group of girlfriends, and um, I don't know. It, I know you are familiar with this, but I don't know how many of your listeners are. But um, there's a little kind of saying. It's called the one you feed, and it's about a grandfather and his grandson and they're sitting by a fire and the grandfather says there's two wolves inside of all of us fighting and one is a bad wolf represents anger you know jealousy hate um judgment all those things and then there's a good wolf represents love compassion empathy um forgiveness all of those things and the grandson thinks about it for a minute and he's like well grandpa which one wins and the grandpa says the one you feed Right? And that's true for all of us. That's mm -hmm. true for every human being. Um, so with my group of friends, I have, hey, I'm feeding my bad wolf. I don't have to go into all the details. I don't have to, you know, share the story 10 times with my 10 friends, right? I don't have to do it. I get a response. What do you need? Do you hmm. need to laugh? Do you need to cry? Do you need to shake it off? Do you need spate, right? All of those things. And I can just say, I'm feeding the bad wolf. Uh, my good wolf is in renal failure at this point, right? It's starving. It's emaciated. Nice. So I nice. think sometimes so, those codes, right? No, I get it. Cause mine for me is um, the lies are screaming loud, right? So if I, Ooh, yeah, I, if I like my partner and my closest inner circle, I can just tell them they're like, Hey, how's your day going? I can answer back. The lies are really loud. And, and they know that right now, my negative side is winning and that I'm telling myself lies that are not true. And, and I either need a moment to be able to process that, or I need someone to be able, and they kind of do the same thing. Like, how can I be here for you? And, it, and it's important. So I think code words are really important whenever we talk about that. And so, so if you, so if we were to kind of round this all up in this conversation, and I know that we're going to try and come back for another episode because I really want to dive in with what skilling, like basic terms around what skilling up looks like in moments like this, right? Okay, so we're gonna totally do that. All right, so stay tuned for anybody listening. There'll be another episode in a couple of weeks where we're diving into to skilling up um, your team members. But so so to, to recap, the three things that we can really do is to be able to recognize 
when you actually need that break, creating a safe space to be able to sit in that space and, and seeking to understand and leaning into the suck, and then using code words so that your team members know that's where you're at and that's the moment that you need. Denise, I think those are incredible first steps for a team to be able to work through some of the things that are taking a bad five minutes and turning it into a bad day, which unfortunately sometimes in our profession can add to many other stresses and make a bad day an entire bad month to a bad yes. year. Next thing you know, we're questioning our career choice altogether, right? And if we can just start chipping away at these baby things that are causing us to have those second thoughts, then I really believe that we can really start to make a better um, uh, life for ourselves in a day-to-day -day manner within the walls of veterinary hospital. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the skilling up piece, you know, a lot of responses I'll get with that, you know, kind of huddle or that, you know, make room for people to be able to say, I need a break. Oh, there's people that are going to take advantage of it. You know, I have people that they're always needing a break and they're always right. Well, then we can individually get them skilled up. Like maybe that person needs to use phrases that have some ownership, right? Um, the Like yours, I'm telling myself lies right? Hey, I'm telling myself some stories right now, right? They Maybe just their language needs to be able to take ownership. There's so many ways to do this where it doesn't have to be, I can't create safe space because then I'm going to have a bunch of people that aren't going to get work done. No, absolutely not. That does not have to be true. No, that does not have to be true. It can be one of those things where, yes, you may have members like that, and we can do things to help give them more tools, right? Yes, they they might be taking advantage of that. And we can recognize it and do something about it. But the importance is right there. Okay. All right. We're wrapping up on our time for this, Denise. This conversation has been incredible. I look forward to our next episode together. Thank you for everything that you're doing within veterinary medicine. You are a dear friend of mine and I love you to death. And I love you and I want to thank you. What you're this endeavor that you are taking is going to change lives. It's going to change mm -hmm. lives, girl. And I love being on the journey together. with you. We're going to do it together. All right. I love yeah. you. I love you. I love you. Love you too, girl. Bye.